podcast episode 11 on the 2nd of June 2020. Today is the 23rd day of Deconfimo, 23 days after France began the easing of COVID-19 lockdown restrictions. My name is Claudia and I am an English teacher in France. I am originally from Singapore, a little country in Southeast Asia, and have been living in France for four years since 2016 in a little town called Asse, 30 kilometers away from Paris. This podcast is about bits and pieces of my life in France. Through this podcast, you can learn things about Singapore and view France from a new perspective, from the eyes of a Singaporean. Last Tuesday, I finally got my hair cut 15 days after De Confimo. Sylvia and I are different in many ways, but we are similar in that we do not take as much care as we should of our crowning glory. Sylvia is worse than I am. He visits the salon every four to five months a year. The last time he stepped into the hair salon before the lockdown was in the fall of 2019. With the two months of lockdown, he accumulated seven months of unruly and freezy curly locks. As for me, I am slightly more disciplined than he is. The last time I got my hair done was four months ago, in mid-January, just before Chinese New Year. I usually schedule a visit to the hair salon every two and a half months, which is already longer than the industry advice of one and a half to two months for people with short hair. Short hairstyle needs higher maintenance, since the hairstyle loses the shape quicker. Just a little growth in hair weighs the style down, losing volume and body. During the lockdown, I was modified by the limb and lifeless locks every time I looked in the mirror. On the 12th of May, the second day after De Confimo, Sylvia called up our neighborhood hair salon to fix two appointments, one for him and one for me. He wanted just a simple haircut and the earliest appointment he could get was a week later in the evening. I wanted a cut and a color and had no preferred hairdresser. In addition, to ensure that I got my hair groomed as soon as possible, I was willing to shift my teaching schedule around to fit in the appointment. Regardless, I still had to wait two weeks before I could secure an appointment. When I first moved to Aussie, one of the first things that immediately caught my attention as I walked on the main streets in the city centre, the number of hair salons in this little city of less than 17,000 residents. In a short stretch of 50 metres on the main street, there were four hair salons Four hair salons. This is not counting the hair salons on the other streets of the city centre. For me, it seems that there are too many of them for a sleepy town like Aussie. A little city with a scattering of restaurants that close by 10pm every night, including Fridays and Saturdays, and only a fistful of restaurants that open on Sundays. Do the Aussians, what they call the residents of Aussie, go to their hairdressers every week? When do they visit their hairdressers? At night? I don't see that many activities in the daytime. Regardless of my concern, it seems that there is enough clientele for all these hair salons in Aussie, as all of them still flourish since my arrival in Aussie four years ago. What about the bigger French cities? There should be even more hair salons catering to the city dwellers who are likely to pay greater attention to their locks. How many hair salons in this country of 67 million? According to an industry report, France has 85,700 hair salons in the country. 
that is equivalent to one hair salon to every 790 residents. As for Singapore, there are 6,200 hair and beauty salons, equivalent to one hair salon to 922 residents. Does that mean that the French visit their hairdressers more frequently than the Singaporeans? France is not the country that has the highest number of hair salons in Europe. It's Italy, with a population similar to that of France. Italy has 104,000 hair salons. That is one hair salon serving 580 residents. These numbers do explain the cluster of hair salons and their ability to survive even in a little city like us. a hairdresser to whom you have been going for years? It seems that many women or men have a close relationship with their hairdressers. These clients are loyal and they tend to stick to their hairdressers for years. Is your hairdresser also your confidant, your psychologist or your counsellor? For me, I do of course care about my looks but perhaps not as much as many people do. Since my hair is quite short and I know what I want, in terms of length, coverage and colour, and I relate clearly my preferences to the hairdressers, I don't think there's much room for the hairdressers to go too wrong with my hair. I am always game to try new hairdressers, even in countries where I do not speak the language. For instance, when I was in Spain doing my masters, or when I first arrived in France, when hardly any French words crossed my lips. I also got my hair done in Romania in a country where I don't even speak a word of its language. However, in that instance, I got my mother-in-law to help me to get my message across. That said, there is the saying, lost in translation. As such, I'm not very particular about the hairdresser I go to for a haircut. For me, the pricing plays a more important factor. In France, a haircut for women with short hair in the Paris metropolitan area, including Osse, the city that I'm living in, averages around 40 euros. However, like in several Western countries such as the US, Australia and France, one can get cheaper cuts at Asian-run hair salons, especially in the Asian quarters and personally, I think the quality of the cuts is comparable. If I visit a hairdresser in the Parisian Chinatown in the 13th arrondissement, I can probably reduce the cost by 25-30% to 30 for a haircut. With a cut and a color, I could be saving up to 40 euros. As it takes me an hour to get to Chinatown from Aussie, I prefer not to go to Chinatown for just a haircut. What I normally do is to fit in a trip to the hairdresser whenever I have to go to Paris to teach. Since I do not always teach in Paris, and even if I do, I may not be able to squeeze out time between lessons to drop by the hairdresser. So I do not visit the hairdresser as much as I would like to. As I was saying, my last haircut before the lockdown was four months ago. My usual pixie cut resembled more like a helmet after the lockdown, limp looking with the extra inches at the nape looking like straw bristles of a broom and strands of wayward silvery hair strain. Luckily, the English lessons that I had to give during the lockdown were given online and the students could only see me in 2D. My reputation would have been at stake if they had seen me up close and personal.
Hair salons are one of the few commercial establishments they are allowed to open after 55 days of closure to ensure their sanitary precautions such as social distancing and personal hygiene gestures continue to be respected. Hair salons have to operate under strict conditions. At 8.45am sharp on Tuesday, I walked up the two steps leading to the entrance of the hair salon. I was about to place my hand on the door handle to push the glass door open when I stopped myself. I noticed a newly put up paper sign taped on the door asking the clients to wait at the steps while the staff would come and open the door for them. Through the glass door, I could see two ladies wearing cloth masks standing behind the plexiglass separator placed at the reception counter. It was another new addition to the salon. One of them, a younger lady in her 20s, let's call her Mademoiselle A, came towards the door and pulled the door inwards, leaving it ajar. After saying the customary bonjour, she asked whether I was the one scheduled to have a hair colour. After answering promptly with a wee, I was let through the entrance. Once I stepped into the salon, Mademoiselle A pointed with a sweep of her hand towards a palm bottle of hydroalcoholic hand gel placed on a table on the right side of the entrance. Without further prompt, I moved towards the table and helped myself to the gel. She then walked towards me, piece of common black kimono-style client gown in her hands, and helped me to it. I noted that I was not the first client. Another client was already there, sitting in one of the Starling hydraulic chairs lined up in front of the Starling station. I was then directed towards and seated at the other side of the Starling station, two chairs away from the first client, about four meters away. A few minutes later, the other staff member, that's called her Madame B, an older lady in her late 40s to early 50s, and whom I saw before in my previous visits, came and asked me about the hair colour that I preferred. It was the first time I had to speak in French, wearing a mask. My initial apprehension was that my heavily English-accented and hesitant French, spoken through a mask, would make it hard for interlocutors to understand me. However, she did not seem to have much trouble understanding me, and I could hear her clearly. Throughout the whole conversation, Madame B placed herself constantly behind me. Later, even when she started to colour my hair, she would stand behind me. I find myself not an observant person, generally disinterested in things that are not within my direct line of vision or having an immediate impact on me. Unlike Cyril, my other hub, he is inquisitive about everything around him. When it's not my bestie, I would describe him as being nosy. Before COVID-19 lockdown, I never paid attention to where a hairdresser position herself during the colouring process. Perhaps it is the usual position. Thinking about it, that spot seems to be the most practical one. From that spot, the hairdresser can select and pick up any horizontal section of hair with the tail of a comb and apply the colour to the whole length. We were less than one metre apart, but I don't think that even if I did sneeze, cough or spit while talking, the droplets could bend backwards and land in her mouth or nose. Besides, I'm not the most loquacious person in the world, especially in French, with a mask on. The mask that I wore on that day was a mask distributed by the city municipal the week before. It was a reusable mask that could be washed up to 10 times. However, unlike the disposable mask, the reusable mask is much thicker and I find it a tad stifling.
even when I'm stationary, and it doesn't really make talking easy. I was wondering at home how the hairdressers would manipulate the elastic ear loops of the mask while engaging in their craft. Did I have to remove the mask at the salon? Was I to keep the mask on by pressing it onto my cheeks with my fingertips while the ear loops were removed temporarily as the hairdresser maneuvered around my ears? The questions were answered when the hairdresser removed an ear loop at a time while simultaneously placing two strips of self-adhesive skin-coloured bandage tape at the end of the mask, securing them to the side of the face. The procedure was repeated on the other side. After the colour application and a waiting time of about 30 minutes for the colour to settle, Mademoiselle A came back to me and directs me to the shampooing station. For me, it's the best part of a hair salon visit, the shampooing. Of course, the quality of the experience depends mainly on the hairdresser. And this hairdresser has good shampooing skills. The water temperature she chose was just the right one, without me having to ask her to adjust it. A couple of degrees higher than the tepid water that most hairdressers use. Her strokes were firm yet gentle as she worked the shampoo into a leather. When she was rinsing my hair, I could feel her hands firmly bunching and smoothly straightening out my hair with the right pressure. Not a single abrupt tuck of my scalp during the whole process. And the massage was heavenly. The smooth rhythm of her fingertips on the scalp and the nape. Regrettably, it all finished too soon. While I was being shampooed, a new client came in. He was asked to sit at a shampooing chair that was one away from mine. I also noticed that Madame B had donned on a different mask while cutting the hair of the lady client who arrived before me. The hairdresser had changed from a cloth mask to a full face shield visor. Later, when it was my turn to have my locks snipped after the shampooing, Madame B continued to wear the shield visor. I figure that the full facial visor provides better protection to everyone. Hair cutting requires closer physical contact between the client and the hairdresser as compared to hair colouring. At times, it can be just down to a few inches between the client and the hairdresser when the latter works on the fringes. After my hair was done, instead of the customary assistance in removing the gown sprinkled with hair clippings, I had to remove the gown myself and was told to deposit the gown in the tall laundry basket next to the reception. Through a square hole cut at the bottom of the plexiglass separator at the reception, the hairdresser passed me the point-of-sale terminal so that I could insert my debit card and type in my six-digit PIN code. The bottom half of the terminal, where we usually place in the hollow of our palm, was wrapped with cling film. Madame B mentioned that an additional two and a half euros was added to the cost to cover the extra expenses incurred because of the new measurements. She also added that the terminal was disinfected after every use. During my one and a half hours at the hair salon, there were not many comings and goings. It could be due to the time of the day or the implementation of strict social distancing measures. There were only three customers and two hairdressers in the salon at any one time. The fourth client, an old lady in her 70s, dropped in soon after the departure of the first client. Hair salon's ambience was definitely different. A certain buzz, the buzz of non-stop activities, was missing. 
the familiar sounds of a hair salon could still be heard. The background rock music playing, hair dryer vrooming noise, sound of water running from the faucets at the shampooing station, chats between the clients and hairdressers. However, the sound level of this activity is dropped by several notches. The explanation is the limited number of people allowed in the hair salon at any one time. Before the lockdown, there would be at least four staff members present at the salon at the same time, and the salon could easily accommodate six to seven clients. With the social distancing constraint, all clients have to make appointments and walk-ins are no longer allowed. I gathered later that the salon staff has split into two teams. If the client has a request for a specific hairdresser, her appointment time will have to be based on the shift of the hairdresser is on. The compulsory wearing of a mask is also likely a reason for the perceptible decrease in the typical salon hubbub. Masks muffle our voices and thus reduce the sound level of the conversations about hairstyle, family life, love life, holiday plans, etc. Moreover, if people are like me, they would prefer to pare down unnecessary communication since extra efforts have to be made to listen and speak over masks. Then, there was the look, a hair salon look. The traditional cozy salon look was absent. The setting looked more institutional, more clinical. Before the lockdown, there was a certain clutter, an orderly type of chaos associated with a hair salon. Now, the usual array of hairstyle and fashion magazines were no longer haphazardly placed on the styling counters. They were actually not seen anywhere in the salon. I understood later from a phone conversation between one of the hairdressers and the clients who called in for appointments that these magazines would no longer be available to clients and clients have to bring in their own reading materials. The occasional half-empty coffee or teacups of the clients lying on the counters were not seen either. I was expecting a cup of complimentary coffee when I first came into the salon but was not offered. Guess that service has also been removed. The one or two gowns or hair towels strewn on the counter on the styling chairs, the characteristic multi-drawer salon trolleys packed with hair styling tools, were all conspicuously missing. The various decorative wall shelves used to display various hair products, such as conditioners, shampoos and hair mousse, were now adorned with colourful, tinted plastic bottles of disinfectants. I walked out of the salon contented and bemused contented because a bothersome weight has been shielded off and that my naked nape, which was covered with irritating bristles only one and a half hours ago, could actually now enjoy the caress of the cool morning breeze. Bemused because the whole experience was technically a run-of-the-mill visit to the hair salon, yet at a deeper level, it felt like an alternate reality. How was your first visit to the hair salon after the lockdown? I would love to hear your experience. Stay tuned for the next episode. Take care. Rest day alaykuts pula prochain episode. Pakte bubiyan.